welcome to another episode of Ghibli Jabber. I'm Nick and I'm here with Trevor. On each episode of Ghibli Jabber, we discuss one of the works of Japanese film studio Studio Ghibli through the eyes of a fan, that's me, and a newbie, that's Trevor. This week we're discussing Hayao Miyazaki's 2004 film Howl's Moving Castle. Adapted from Diana Wynne-Jones' novel, this is about Sophie, an unconfident young woman who is cursed with an old body by a spiteful witch, and who then seeks help from a self-indulgent yet insecure young wizard called Hal and his companions who live in a giant moving castle. This movie was Miyazaki's follow-up to the highly acclaimed Spirited Away and is another vacation to a beautifully imagined fantasy world filled with magic and demons about a young woman finding her strength. Trevor, was this another journey well worth taking for you or was it a case of diminishing returns? It was worth, yeah, it was worth, worth returning to. What are your thoughts? I really found myself loving this film up until probably the halfway point. And then I felt like it kind of went off the rails a little bit and it lost some of the magic for me. And uh, let me explain some of the things that I loved about it. It's true. Um, and then I'll get to kind of where it went off the rails for me. So I really loved, again, this world that we're thrust into and we're, and it's kind of like you said, uh, it is, it is his next film after spirited way. And I feel like we, he's gotten very good at putting us in these worlds without having to give us all the answers to why things are the way that they are. But we, we understand he makes the rules. He follows his rules. We understand it. And so I was very excited to be thrust into this, into this new world of witches and wizards. And um, again, yeah, I wasn't told all the rules, but I'm starting to get it right off the bat. Um, we have like a, this moving castle that just like moves through the lands, that there's a wizard in it and everyone knows it's Hal and he's kind of scary. And then we hear of this wicked witch and I'm like, oh no, she's undoubtedly going to run into this wicked witch. And um and we have, yeah, then we have this character who seems, you know, pretty normal at first. And then she gets cursed by this witch. And I thought that, I thought it was really, really cool that the curse ended up making her old. And that the film ended up focusing on like a really old character. Because um, I haven't really seen that yet. And um, so, yeah, there was just some beats where I was like, oh, this feels fresh. This feels new. And I also just love like magic and witches and wizards and stuff. And so... I was very much so into that. Um, It kind of, again, like I said, started falling apart right around the middle when Hal asked her to go to the castle to, um, you know, say that he's not coming and that she's the cleaning lady. Um, Oh, no, sorry, not the cleaning lady. She's she's his mother. Um, and, And I mean, I love the whole sequence of her going up the stairs with the witch, and that was all really fun. Um, But right around that point, And then when she kind of like goes in and out of being herself, that's kind of where I feel like the movie takes a turning point and it becomes kind of too focused on the plot beats and like getting things done. And it feels rushed. And I feel like it could be not that I want the movie to be three hours long, but I feel like it could have been longer because I started feeling like we started rushing Hal's characterization. We started rushing to make sure everyone knows, uh, what how calcifer is there and why he's a demon and the connection with Hal and and especially the ending like when she goes back and sees what happens and she's fighting me in the future and then there's the turnip guy and then all of a sudden he's brooks his curse and he's like well i'm here and i don't know i just felt i was sad and disappointed that it kind of felt rushed 
in the second half and that it, that it lost its sense of nuance and that I felt for the first hour. Like I was watching this movie with my roommate and I just kept being like, I love this movie during the first hour. Like, I love this movie so much. Like I fully have bought into this world. I am so invested in this character, these characters really invested in Sophie. And I want to like figure out like, how is she going to get him to know when she can't talk about it? And that kind of just falls apart. I don't know. I feel like I'm rambling now and maybe you wanted to say something. <laughs> but I think you're missing the the point. Um, the main point of the movie is that Turniphead is the main character. And if you're not sort of following that line of no, um, no, it's you, it, <laughs> I was everything. Saying, what? <laughs> Did you miss that? Um, I completely agree. I think this movie is like, it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's so like just to live in like the world. It's like, so it's like, probably the most sort of expansive universe he creates, like all the different worlds, all the different settings. Um, like opening the doors and like going somewhere else. Like I got yeah. so excited. and was so happy about that. Sorry to interrupt, but like, it really was yeah. so cool. The world building. Yeah. But it really does. I think fall off the rails. Maybe you said at that point where he goes, where she goes to the um, thing. I think, yeah, from that point on, like, I love that whole sequence to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. But from the point where she sort of then, once she's sort of back in the castle and once you're sort of separated from Hal and then Hal's off doing his thing and then it gets very confusing and you can kind I of I got see... so confused. Yeah, and you don't really know. Like with um, Spirited Away, and like, like you mentioned before, there's it's sort of a quite inscrutable world where you don't really understand all the rules, but you have enough to go on. With this one, I feel like I either needed more information because they went through a lot of information too quickly or I needed a lot less information where we didn't need to delve into all that backstory. Like as though Hal was treated the same way Haku was in Spirited Away. Like, yeah, he's a he's a river demon from your past, but that, and then you, you move on to the next thing. Instead of having many sort of sequences with like, like I say, Calcifer and Hal and going back in time and like all of those things where I'm like, what? And then, yeah, all the various, you know, she takes Calcifer and goes outside and then that house collapses and they go back inside and they rebuild that like it like it can't i'm sure it makes some sort of sense i think they were just trying to sort of um kill the castle as like a being that has lots Mm -hmm. of different doors and things like that but it's very yeah you can tell that it's maybe from a denser novel exactly that he kind of he sort of plays lightly with the plot early on and then later he's like oh i have to actually wrap all this up and then quickly throws everything back in and then yeah turn up head turns out to be the prince who was missing and therefore the war wasn't being ended. And then the war ends because they helped the fuck, sorry, they helped the turnip out. Like what? Uh. <laughs> I could not agree more. Literally my roommate turned to me and she was like, sorry, my squeaky chair. Yes, I could not agree more. My literally at that point, my roommate turned to me and was like, I have no idea what's happening in this movie. And like, and we were, we were actively watching this movie and I was kind of like, I am struggling a little bit here as well. And then and then it kind of, we've mentioned this a million times, where it's like, show me, don't tell me. And it started to feel like, because they were rushing through so much towards that latter half of the film, that they started to default to telling us. It was like, mm-hmm. oh, we're doing this. Oh, how how is this way because of this? Oh, I'm this character. Oh, this is who I am. Like, it just started feeling like, I want... You did so well in the beginning of just showing mm. <laughs> how these characters were. And 
like you said, had the nuance of just like, even just like the, the amount of time that was spent with Sophie getting inside of the castle and then being introduced to these characters and learning what the castle does. And then like cleaning the castle, like there was, I, yeah. And then it just kind of freaking lost that touch. And I just was sad. And I, but it makes me like, I wish there was a sequel to this movie because I love the world that they created. Absolutely. Like it sort of feels like he read the book or someone explained the book to him and he's like, Oh, this is everything that I love um, in my movies. Like there's a fun sort of lush European setting. There's war going on. There's these beautiful mm-hmm. natural environments. A lot of flight. Yeah. He can throw in those weird old timey flying machines just, just cause. Um, but it seems like he's less interested in building a cohesive narrative than he is in building like a gorgeous visual universe. And then that kind of hurts the movie in the long run. Like I made a note that like, like, like you said, one of the, one of the funnest sort of concepts is the fact that, the castle has all those doors and they can go to whatever universe they want. That makes it really fun and dynamic and it gives you a lot of variety. And I love all those things in a movie, but it creates sort of too large a canvas to cover kind of, and then shifting between those doors. It's like, like I've always said, a lot of these movies end up going from A to B to C to B to D to A to B to that's like, (laughs) this is the most that movie basically, because (laughs) They literally can do that by turning a knob and being in a different universe and a different storyline and like a different tone, a different like genre. Yeah, like it's like all the good things turn at a certain point. I still love this is still one of my favorites. I think this is top five, if not top 10 for me. But mm-hmm. ultimately, because I don't really with his movies, I never really cared that much about the plot. It's yeah. more about the world. It's like he's, a, he's not going to win a Pulitzer Prize. Kind of, his writing is not his strongest suit. His world building is all visual, basically. Like, that's where his strengths are. As well as, I do like the fact that he writes for mostly female characters and mm-hmm. makes them all strong in different ways. Speaking of, should we should we talk about the characters? Yeah, let's talk about Sophie. Because, like, okay. I mean, I mean, I want to make one more comment based upon on. what you just said. And yeah, I, I talked a lot then. <laughs> no, no, no. I, like, I, the number one thing that I pull out of that, what you just said, is what I agree with so much about this film is, is that it is about the world building and I find this movie to be super successful. I have qualms with it, but I find it to be super successful because he did create, I know it's a book adaptation, but he did create this entire world that I was fully bought into and I crave to see more of the world. Mm. Um, So I love that. Uh, But let's jump to the characters like Sophie. I, there were certain aspects of this film that made me love it so much in the beginning that it just, again, why I was mad was that, I like, I was just smitten with the idea that we have this witch that curses Sophie and you throw them this plot beat of, you're not, you're not going to be able to tell how that you are this way. And I immediately was like, oh, that's like high stakes. Like we have this character that isn't even able to do it. What are we going to do? And I got nervous in the beginning because I was like, okay, this character is not going to there's going to be all these shenanigans about being old and like the family finding out. And I'm like, we're probably going to waste all this much time with that, but like completely circumvented my expectations of that and has Sophie just get up and leave and become super independent of like, I need to go to the, what the wastelands or whatever they call that. And like mm-hmm. figure this out. And even though she's so old and can barely walk. And it's like, I need to get this cane to make myself walk just the super, independence of Sophie and the fact that the film chose to, I think it's a risk to have an older character be the protagonist of the film. Most of the time, especially 
for a film that's, I mean, these super, super popular films when they're, you know, typically have youthful characters being the protagonist. So I like, I liked that because that also went against my expectations. But I guess as, as Sophie started to lose her age or the curse started kind of breaking, it started, the, the magic of the character started to kind of leave for me. I, those are like, I don't really have like complex thoughts behind that aspect of it. It just, I mean, she still was strong and she was still fighting and she was the one that was doing everything to figure out how, how can I fix this? And like, I, I like that about her character, but it was, I don't know. I was less interested in her. I liked old Sophie and mm-hmm. I liked, I liked the, um, I'm super rambling. I'm going to say one last thing and then I want you to talk about Sophie, but <laughs> I liked, I liked uh, another aspect of the film that kind of really circumvented my expectations was that, that Hal figured out that the witch had done it halfway through the film. Like I thought the whole film was going to go without him figuring it out. And then he was going to switch her back at the ending, but it was like, no, like I loved that. So there were so many, so many ways. So in which I was surprised and that doesn't happen often for me. And so I love that. What do you think about Sophie? I like her. I think, like you say, I think a lot of the threads around her growth are sort of, dropped at the end towards a, like a more conventional love story kind of where, where her love for Hal is sort of what defines her at the end. But like, like the element of her like getting younger and then older and then younger is one of those things that I feel like it either shouldn't have been there or needed to be explained like a little more. Maybe it didn't feel like she's, she's like that when she's sleeping as well. So like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. And maybe it's like super obvious to other people and like it's, there's, it makes perfect sense, but I'm like, I don't really, is it when she's feisty? Because she's feisty a lot as an old woman as well. So like, I don't really understand what, like the rules around her getting younger and that. Uh, I don't think that's super clear. And I don't think it really, yeah, I think it's a cl- cool idea. And it feels like, again, it must be something that makes a little bit more sense maybe in the book than in the movie. I think that's sort of like an, it's sort of unnecessary in the sense that the movie is sort of about how being old helps her find her strength sort of. Once she sort of ha- stops caring what people think about yes. her. Yes. And she's in a new persona of this old woman where no one's like giving her much attention. She sort of finds strength in that persona and then grows. The whole sort of becoming younger thing, I don't know, it didn't really like work uh, like thematically or even plot wise because I wasn't really 100% understanding what was <laughs> happening to her. But I, I, do like, I do like that conceit of her character as someone who was already like an old lady kind of, like an old spinster even though she was young, she's like, as soon as she changed, she's like, oh, at least your clothes suit you now. Like she was always, she saw herself as like a dumpy old lady that no one was interested in where her sister and mother were beautiful, like blonde and like had the boys sort of fawning over them. Um, She was just this like, she was basically an old lady. And then by actually becoming an old lady, she realizes there's a lot of strength in her. So I like all of that. But again, I feel like like her, her strongest moments are, when she's like cleaning the house and things like that yes. and like kicking Hal's ass. But once it gets to like, uh, like all the stuff with the changing house and the, I don't know, we, we, we lose and like going like her caring about Hal's heart and things like that. I don't know. I, I don't really know why she loves Hal. He's like a child. Like he, he hasn't demonstrated. I mean, I guess he's, he, pro- he protects him and like he made her a cute room and everything, but like, I, I'm less interested in that. Like with, with most of these things, like I don't, again, I didn't care about Chihiro and Haku that much, but that didn't really take up too much of the plot. I don't think there's still a lot of other fun things happening, but in this one where it's all about like Hal's heart and like trying to store him and her, her job becomes 
fixing Hal. And I'm like, uh, I'm not that interested in that. I'd rather her just be like badass for herself, you know? Yeah. I do like that Hal is kind of like, we see him as like such a child and mm-hmm. we're not expected to like think that he's sort of this perfect, beautiful creature. Like what happens when he like his hair, um, you know, changes oh to orange and then he's God. like, I'm not beautiful. What's the point of living if I'm not beautiful? And he just turns into this weird slimy demon. I'm like, Jesus. Like, he started yeah. out. He started out like very much like the thin, like thin white Duke David Bowie for me, and I was like giving like intense again labyrinth vibes, mm-hmm. and then I was like, yeah, he's such a little bitch, like, <laughs> and I yeah, when he came down the stairs like screaming and crying, like, and he was so. There were moments where he was so masculine in the things that he does, but then he's so androgynous at certain points too, mm. like his characterization. It's just a very androgynous character to me, which which I think is fun. And I'm like all about playing with that. But then I don't know, like I didn't really take it anywhere with that for me, but I wanted them to, I wanted them yeah. to like, cause he just looks so androgynous to me. Yeah, no, he does. And he's not like a big, big muscly guy. He's very no. sort of like slim. But, and like, I don't know, like that scene in the middle. And then like maybe a few scenes up, like he's so confident in the beginning and like, casually like cool and in charge and then that scene happens and it's like oh and then at the end he sort of finds his strength again i'm like it kind of felt like it came out of nowhere like (laughs) that characterization a little bit like i know we're supposed to see him as like a fickle's lady man like ladies man who breaks hearts and stuff but Mm. that sort of insecurity that sort of came out in the halfway point i'm like oh it doesn't feel he seems so confident and chill like at the beginning and the end that that kind of was like, oh, okay. I mean, I, I like that he's like this, but it didn't necessarily feel like it It was sort of seeded throughout the entire movie. Yeah. That doesn't bother me too much. Well, no. And I think that it, I think that it like, uh, I feel like it helps to boost the, 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 the power of Sophie. And, the, and what I mean by that is that, like you said, Sophie, she, once she was old and stopped caring about how she looked and she was just like, I don't care anymore. No one's really giving me attention is when she started to like come into her own. Um, and so for her to like be the critic of Howl, who's supposed to be like this super masculine character that like whisked her away and made her walk on air in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then he's just bitching about his hair. And she's just like, are you kidding me? And yeah. she like steps outside the castle and was like, what is happening? And she drags him to the bathroom. was like, clean him up. Like, and his, his, what his towel falls and she's just like oh jeez like this guy's having a tantrum i don't know i feel like it helped to kind of boost her characterization hmm. i guess you've already skipped to your favorite shot oh, just kidding um, <laughs> well what did you think about um the animation of this did, did you feel like it was next level or like um, similar vein as what we've seen before i felt like it was a continuation of some of the things i saw in spirited away so um some of those intense details, like it, it, especially Sophie when she became old and her face, it really reminded me of the witch and, or sorry, the yeah, is it the witch and Spirited Away? What you Baba or? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and her face and her and the and the attention to detail to that. So I started getting that, and I feel like his his Miyazaki's like uh, animations becoming a little bit more crisp and almost. Um, computer generated. And I think you mentioned there are certain aspects that they use computer generation starting in spirited away, mm. especially if like a, a lot of the fast movements and things like that. So I'm not saying for all of it, but it just feels a little bit more crisp. And I noticed some of those computer generated moments, like when Hal's like, we need to like 
take down that big ship and mm. like and he goes through the ship and it shows him unplugging all those things with his magic and I, so i saw that but um no it was freaking gorgeous and again you know how much we love like a water moment but <laughs> when she's like i feel like i've been here before and it was like is this the sky or is this the water like mm. yeah it was just there are some very very gorgeous moments in this film yeah it's a yeah i wouldn't necessarily say it's a better animated movie than spirited away but the scope of it feels so much larger like that 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 universe feels quite contained um, um spirited away i mean yes which is maybe part of its part of why i can enjoy the plot more because it's a lot more focused than this one and the universe is a lot more we get a very good sense of the universe very quickly because um the you know the fact that it's only sort of in a set it's only set in like a few um different places and this one goes all over the place uh but like just even in even the opening sort of sequences it feels sort of so detailed and lush and there's like a big parade through town and all these people and they're like people are dancing it feels like an old like gone with the wind kind of movie like everything sort of like lush and technicolor and so much detail and then like each universe is given that same level of detail i think it's yeah it's more stuff than we've ever seen before from a ghibli movie i think it's so beautiful and so lush it just feels it's definitely the lushest film you can just like if this was like a live action movie, you know, you watch those movies and it's like, oh, wow, you can see like all the money on the screen kind of thing. Uh-huh. This is like that, but animated. It's like, oh, you can see all the money that's been put into having all these extra animators doing like such sort of precise details. And there'd be so many different, um, there's so many different settings in this movie, which is obviously very hard for um, animators to do because they have to sort of create new, new, all these different new worlds and um, different characters and settings and things like that. Um, I agree. Yeah, it's so gorgeous. You know, it's a lot of different types of his movies put together. Like there's a lot of, you know, a lot of time is spent sort of by the lake, you know, where they're like hanging out the clothes and just chilling and cleaning things and having like tea and things like that. And then like through the mountains and stuff in the, in the waste, like there's that kind of landscape. And then there's, you know, there's like a weird demonic landscape where everything's sort of being bombed and he's like a weird, like flying like black monster kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Then there's like that. Then there's like the seaside towns, like Kiki's livery service kind of vibes. And then there's like the kingdom element um, when he, when they go to that town to um, see the King and Madame Solomon, which again, is a very different aesthetic. And like all of these different things at once, you can definitely, it definitely feels like it feels more expensive. You know, it feels like rich and lush. Uh, and like, at the very least, I get that out of this. Um, I agree. But yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, to sort of go back to what we were talking um, about before, I think the, I mean, and this can sort of lead into our favorite shots and sequences. I think sort of the strongest moments are at like maybe the, you know, a third of the way in where she's sort of finding her strength, things like that. And then just sort of takes the time to sort of have them, yeah, discover each other and clean the the castle and like chill by the lake mm-hmm. and like just sort of interact. Like, you know, they're having, um, you know, lunch at the table. You know, we see them in detail like cook breakfast and eat it you know all those moments and like there are there are plot points in those scenes like when they open the uh, mail and it's like the curse of whatever but it takes the time to sort of establish who these characters are and their relationships with each other while also still having like plot elements in it and like those that sort of pace that's where it's at its strongest i think where it's sort of lots of things are still happening but it doesn't feel too rushed Uh, Mm -hmm. i think eventually it's sort of the need to introduce all these 
all these places kind of gets in the way of it. And these other plot beat points, like I think a great scene that, that kind of illustrates what you were saying is like the breakfast scene when they make breakfast. Yeah. Like I immediately understand how how it interacts with Calcifer and and is it Marco? Yeah. Um, um, I immediately understand their relationship and how like and why the place is dirty because Hal doesn't give a flying f about mm. like anything in there and like. And in his nonchalant attitude, the fact that there's this old lady inside there, and he's just like, "Oh, she's like, I'm the cleaning lady now." Like, yeah. it, it did set up the dynamic so well, and so I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that that's why I loved the first hour of the film so much. Well, why don't we move on to your favorite shots and sequences? What What was your favorite shot? Um, my favorite shot is definitely, like you said, going to like the seasidey, like relaxing next to the water. There are countless examples of that, but just looking at all the different landscapes and they were just so gorgeous. And I also love the shot with Sophie when she's leaving the town and they're like, Hey grandma, you shouldn't like go there. <laughs> you shouldn't go to the waste. And she's just like walking up there and it's the whole hill and the mountain. I thought that was absolutely gorgeous. Um, I think my favorite sequence is her when Sophie's trying to get, when the turnip head's helping her get to the castle and she's trying to get onto the castle. And I just was like, there's no way after she struggled this entire time, like <laughs> walking up that hill that she's like booking it to this moving castle. But I'm like, maybe her adrenaline pumped through. Um, mm. I really, really loved that. What else? I liked the sequence of her just cleaning the castle. Like, yeah. I don't know. It just reminded me of old animated films. Like it was very like, I don't know, Snow White and Seven Dwarves. And it, there was even like this momentary callback. I, I mean, I feel like acknowledgement of Snow White when she's, this is before she cleans, but when she's um, at the window looking out into, I don't remember what town it was, but there's the apple sitting in the, in the window. Well, when she's sitting there and I just felt like, Ooh, that might be like a little nod to it. Cause she looks like a witch. Um, <laughs> Anywho, but I just loved, yeah, those probably two were my favorite. How about you? I mean, shot-wise, like, I could just rattle off, like, three million of them. But, yeah, I mean, there's a few. Um, Probably, yeah, like, at the beginning where she's sort of, her trying to get onto the, um, into the castle for the first time, there's the shot of her just, like, walking up. And then, like, over the horizon, you see sort of the castle sort of slowly, like, coming up the hill, like, and coming into view. That's a stunning shot where you kind of see the castle for the first time, which is an amazing creation. I think like just the animation on the castle itself is so gorgeous and obviously would have taken so much time. It's just so fluid, but it, it, it feels also like lived in and like rusty and not imperfect. I just, I, I love that. Um, and there's like a really cute shot of like all the stuff around, like when they're by the lake and things like that, but she's sort of, there's a shot of her like on the balcony and the castle was like, she's obviously opened a window. I was like, oh my God, look at this beautiful world. And like, she's sort of looking down below and there's like cliffs and mountains been below her. And then like, there's like a herd of deer running and it's just like another stunning sort of visual mm-hmm. moment. Probably the other shot is towards the end where we're in Hal's um, memory and all those sort of shooting stars falling onto the lake. Like, and we see sort of her running onto the grass and in, in that memory and like the stars are falling like around her and like, sort of rainbows are sort of flying up like that's so beautiful that scene again like it oh yeah it's a confusing scene but like it's like oh that's it's just so stunning you don't really you don't really care what's happening in that moment 
or when she's like falling into the out of that sequence and she's like remember me in the future come yeah. to me in the future and everything's like melting i was like that was really cool yeah um favorite sequence it's probably i mean runner-up is definitely like when he shows her like that the flower garden for the first time like just, I mean, I'm a sucker for like cute flowers on screen. Like it's Pastoral so, flowers. I mean, and so is he, obviously. Like he, any excuse to have like a, a pretty field of nice flowers and he'll do it. Like just so <laughs> many, like just that, that whole scene. It's just like, you just want to like live in that world and like lay on that grass. And like, you know, you definitely get a sense of that. Like there's sort of like a close up of, you know, the legs hopping, like them like sort of jumping over this stream and you can like see sort of the cl- flowers swaying in close up. It's just, the, it's such a gorgeous um, scene. It's like a nice little reprieve between like a lot of very chaotic action towards the end. Um, But my favorite sequence, which I think is a good example of his sort of visual storytelling where you don't necessarily understand what's happening, but the visuals sort of carry you along. It's the scene where um, Madame Solomon's trying to stop Hal and Sophie from escaping. And she's sort of sitting on the chair and she sort of taps the chair and then like the world sort of falls away beneath them and they're sort of flying in the sky. Um, And like beneath them is like, the ocean and like islands and things like that. And then there are those like creepy little men star figure figures and they sort of okay. surround them and they're chanting this weird sort of song and everything. And like they're sparking off and then like so much is happening. Like, again, I don't really understand what's happening, <laughs> in that moment, but I know enough because visually we've seen those characters, those little star men before um, earlier when they were taking the powers away from um, the witch of the ways we, we get us we know what she's doing she's taking she's trying to take Hal's magic essentially or to break some curse or like something like that like we know enough to not be so confused by that moment but it's just so beautiful and weird and it's like oh wow this is what the you know animation medium is for you know for these sort of weird beautiful inexplicable moments which you couldn't really do it would look silly in a live action to do that kind of thing it'd feel like I don't know did you ever watch The Lovely Bones I, don't, I didn't really like that movie it kind of a bit weird, fake, but like here, it's just like again some some weird inexplicable magic, but it's so gorgeous. You know what scene I'm referring to, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. And I think, think that's such an amazing, beautifully realized sequence. Um, yeah, so that's probably my favorite. But I mean, there's so many beautiful shots um, and beautiful landscapes and things like that. So it's hard to, to narrow one down. Let's get to the ratings. So we'll, the, we'll start with the Miyazaki criteria, five Miyazaki criteria out of two, and then we end up with a score out of 10 for how Miyazaki-ish this movie is. So let's start with the first um, criteria, which is strong or complex female characters. Out of two, what did you give that? I gave it a two. How about you? Two, yeah. Probably doesn't... Yeah, I feel like we already talked about how strong she was. <laughs> Yeah, I and mean, I mean, as always, the, there's never only one female character in these movies. Like, it, no. it's very. I mean, all of these movies, um, I'm sure, will sort of would pass the Bechdel test in some way or another. Although they do talk about Hal a lot. I mean, to be honest, but even though they all want Hal in some capacity, they want him for different reasons. Like, Madame Solomon saw that he was an apprentice and saw saw his power and like wants to control him, kind of. And mm. then the witch, and she's the one that can end the war. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, she's yeah, she's a powerful woman, and you can also see when the king comes in how strong and in charge she is versus like the idiot king, who's very sort of Trumpian. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, so she's strong in her own way, even though we don't see her very much. And then the witch of the waste, you know, even though she loses her power, she's sort of just seen as 
you know, one of the strongest um, witches in the land. But she, she's also like a horny old woman, kind of. Yeah, she is. She's is so like gross. A nice touch. And it's very different from what uh, Sophie wants from Hal. So, yeah, I think that's strong enough for me to say too. What about environmental concerns? Beyond the fact that they don't want war to be happening and that, like, this movie is super heavy-handed with the war is bad kind of thing going on. And, like, we get it. Miyazaki, war is bad. Other than, like, that and that's environmental impact on it, eh, I'm going to give it a zero. It's slim to none to me. I give it a zero. It's not even... It's barely even, like, implied, really. Yeah. Um, I was grasping for straws there. Thank God. <laughs> if that was another element in this movie, it would have been, like, too much. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I guess maybe it makes you want to eat more turnips or something. I don't know. <laughs> Apart from that, it's pretty... It's pretty light on in that sense. You know, there's an appreciation of nature, but it's yeah. not explicit at all. How about flying machines in flight? I'd give this a two. And I think that, I think it's one of the ones that he shows that a lot. I think he shows like a lot of aspects of flying machines in flight. Like he shows some of his like didgeridoo kind of like ones that he loves. Um, <laughs> like some of his like little, yeah, cool. didgeridoo. Am no, I using that term wrong? That's a musical instrument. The Aboriginal musical that you blow into. Did you okay. do it? Well, like a blimp? Or... I meant like just like little... like The personal aircrafts? Yeah. And I guess I used the wrong term for that. Well, okay. unless that's like a... I mean, that could be the term for them, but I, it would have been taken from... Probably not. I'm really bad at using sayings. Yeah. <laughs> Lol, this, you're probably going to keep all this. Sorry to call you out on that. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did not know that. Thank you for teaching me. Um, no, other, I mean, he has like a lot of his little personal aircrafts that he loves. Um, little like old timey, but then also like these very newer, stronger ones that are just very destructive and on a war path. And that's where I kind of get into like the very heavy handedness of war is bad. So I give it to Yeah. Yeah. Same. There's like... There's like the giant warships that you kind of mm-hmm. see in Laputa and movies like that. And then there's, you know, the, the small little ones, which I guess you've also seen movies like Laputa, like towards the end of Laputa when they're on those like little mini things where like the dollar gang is like flying away. It, it's a it's a very similar thing. Um, and even just in the background of every shot, there is, there's things flying ahead in like to sort of, it sort of presents the world as like under attack constantly kind of without it sort of being overtaking the plot. You can see that visually because there's always like, an explosion somewhere or like a something flying ahead or like them dropping the war propaganda kind of stuff. And then of course, Hal can fly as well. And there's, yeah. you know, he, he's like flying like with natural flight when he's sort of carrying her is like sort of similar to sort of, you know, Chihiro with Haku and like his, like a demon and she's like this girl and he's sort of carrying her. There's like, yeah, there's a lot of the different flying elements that have been presented in other movies here. It's like not, I don't know if important per se, but it's definitely very prevalent. And you can see he gets he, he gets his money worth, his money's worth yeah, on that one. exactly. What about The Power of Love? Um, I'd give that one a two. Um, and I think that it comes from, like, not just, like, hardcore love or love, like, romantic love, but, like, caring for other people. Um, I think in caring for oneself, um, I think she kind of, like, I think... Sophie goes on the whole journey of like loving herself throughout this. And then, you know, there's that romantic plot beat with Howl, but then there's also like, like turnip cared for her throughout the entire thing. Really like, like 
helped her get in the castle and without turnip like a lot of these things wouldn't happen and then she kisses turnip's face and it's like what what you know i don't know why it makes him return to human form and then the war is over because the prince back um so i gave it a two yeah i also gave it a two um basically because of what you said but yeah like i mean the fact that hal's heart is so central to the story yeah like that's like a very um explicit representation of love yeah i, I think yeah and her, her love for him and her love for yeah and, and her self growing self-reliance and things like that it's enough um for me to give this a two and lastly um the prevalence of water boats island rivers etc um i'd give that a two as well i think that and just from the sense of the fact that miyazaki loves to animate around these bodies of water and like a lot of the places they go to when they go through the doors are by water or when like you pointed out when they're relaxing is by water that huge beautiful scene when he takes her to like in that pastoral landscape like i said when it's like is it the sky or is it the water because it's so glass still um i gave it a two don't you want to go there don't you want to be in that yes i want to float on that lake so badly in the tube Because the wind wouldn't take you anywhere. Yeah, you just sit there and like completely relax. Yeah, probably <laughs> Throw a big air tube in it. No, a tube, you idiot. Um, yeah, I gave that a one. Like, it's definitely there. Like, there's a lot of, yeah, there's like the seaside town. There's the, when they're in the waste and there's like the little um, lake they have there. Uh, as well as like, yeah, the little rivulets and like little ponds that they have in, um, that universe but i don't know i think i i felt it just slightly less prevalent than in like spirited away and modern no gate but yeah it's it's close to the cusp of that so i gave those criteria a seven out of ten what did you give it i give it eight um do you want to guess what i gave this out of ten um you gave this uh, an eight point five I, oh okay I'm not, I'm not surprised you said eight based on what i said but I feel like the strengths are so strong. Like, even though I don't, like, I kind of lose interest maybe in the last third, I still, there's still a lot of really beautiful moments. Um, and I care enough about the characters that I want to see it through, even though it feels very rushed. And then, like, the turnip stuff is, it, it just comes off as quite silly. It's like, I'm going <laughs> to end the war. And then, oh, like, the dog checking in with um, Madame Solomon and she's like, I'm just... going to end this war too. Just yeah, like, I just. What do you uh, think I gave it? Hmm. I would say eight. Ooh, okay. You're close. I gave it 7.5. Mm-hmm. And it and uh, kind of jumping on what you said, but it's a world in which I want to return to. It just kind of falls apart in the end, but I would totally watch this movie again um, because it's entertaining enough and fun. And I wish there was a sequel to this one. Yeah, I don't think we'll see that. Um, I don't yeah, think so either. Yeah, it is a gorgeous world to just like hang out in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, before we finish up, shall we talk about any connections that you saw between this movie and previous ones? Yeah, I think my biggest connection is the the world building, like in Spirited Away. And you, I mean, you already said it earlier too. But it's kind of oh, spoiler alert. Yeah, no, it's just like this, this this world building where they create all these rules. I don't really need them to tell me why. And you just learn as you go. And so I think spirit away is a little bit more effective of it, but I see that in it. Um, I also see some 
aspects of like uh, Ashitaka and Asan, Princess Mononoke. Like their dynamic together is very Hal and Sophie a little bit to me. I just kind of gender flipped. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was going to say, like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just gender flipped and like the caring for each other. And uh, but this one, like, very heavy handed, like, Hal and Sophie are like in love at the end rather than, you know, Princess Mononoke. But yeah, those are the ones. Yeah. Um, I just, I mean, yeah, well, I mean, we've obviously spoken about a lot of the connections and how they relate to other ones but i think just like i made a bunch of small like little notes like the castle kind of reminds me a little bit of um like the ohms in nausicaa the valley of the wind like just the way it's animated like with all the different like like the creatures in um you know nausicaa the valley of the wind like the different sort of like level like scales that they have are kind of like moving together but separately and like similar to the castle is kind of all these different um moving elements that kind of just seem to work together just yeah, it was like a little thing that kind of reminded me of visually something that he likes to do, um, and like when she has like the ring, it's very similar. Like that leads her home. It's very similar to Laputa when that's she true. has like that necklace that's kind of leading them there. Um, and Turniphead, in a way, kind of reminded me of No Face a little bit. No, oh. uh, in the sense that they kind of don't really have a proper face, but also like that Turniphead kind of feels in debt to um, Sophie the same way that No Face feels indebted to um, Chihiro and it's sort of like going out of his way to sort of help her and like, you know, he does a bunch of things throughout the movie to sort of like, you know, he saves him at the end basically um, and then, and falls in love with her. Like, and not that we see that with No Face so much, but there's definitely a definite sense of No Face like being really interested in Chihiro and really wanting to thank her for treating him like a human or whatever and like letting him into the building. So I, yeah, I think there's, Definite connection there as like a weird sidekick. You said Shana has like a little bit less creepy. I think there's another one too with, and I've seen this, I feel like it's been a thing since Princess Mononoke, but like to, to use like the oozing to always be like bad, not necessarily necessarily demon, but it's like bad. It's like the oozing characters with the witch, the beginning. And then when Hal's throwing his little, bitchy temper tantrum and he starts to like ooze out of himself like it's just like these moments of like extreme sadness or anger or yeah just like in spirited away with the the stink demon going into the the baths so yeah like a lot of like oozing for those things just a complete side note another sort of moment of grotesquery um when um, the witch of the waste is like sweating going up the stairs like that's (sighs) gross right it's so sick i think I mean, the main, the main takeaway from this movie is that fat people are evil. I think that's kind of what it's um, That's what Hal meant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's the point of living if you can't be beautiful? Um, that was so... But I, I love how how he, grotesque he can get with these things while oh, yeah. still being sort of like a, a movie about sort of love and magic and hearts and things like that. Just like makes it a little bit more fun. Well, if anyone listening has any feedback on this week's episode or any others, you can send it to ghiblyjabber at gmail.com and we can discuss it in a future episode. But until then, Trevor, I will talk to you next time when we discuss Goro Miyazaki's 2006 film, Tales from Earthsea. That's right, Goro, that's his son. So if you didn't know that, so that'll be exciting. See what um, Miyazaki Jr. has in store for us. See ya. Yeah.